You've tuned in to the Get Connected podcast with Mike Agarbo and John Beeler. Got a great show for you today. We uh, will be talking about the Apple announcement, new Apple Watches, new iPhone 14, new Apple AirPods 2. Is there much of an upgrade in these devices? I say yes, half and half. Uh, excited about the Apple Watch line new Apple Watch Ultra. We'll be talking all about it. We'll also be uh, talking to some of the winners of the James Dyson uh, contest. They have this on yearly, and uh, we're going to be talking to some Canadian students that have won with their innovation. You probably know James Dyson and Dyson from their uh, vacuum cleaners, their fans, and other devices. Well, we've uh, got an interesting uh, innovation from uh, some students. We'll talk all about that. And uh, Apple... They are dominating now the U.S. market for iPhones. What does that mean for competition? It's time to get connected. we got a fun program. We're going to be talking about the latest Apple announcement, new watches, AirPods, and new iPhone 14s. We'll give you some of the details, let you decide whether you uh, should upgrade or not. We'll also be talking uh, to some really cool student engineers. Uh, they have participated in a big Dyson competition, Dyson the vacuum people. James Dyson, uh, who's the founder, really obviously believes in engineering and they sponsor these awards internationally. And we're going to talk to some of the Canadian winners and runner-ups. And uh, we'll be talking about Apple and their dominant market share in the U.S. now when it comes to iPhones. Who is their closest competitor? And we'll talk about how healthy it is to have more competition in that space. Uh, John, let's uh, talk about some of the, uh, the tech news uh, here uh, this uh, week. A uh, lot of stuff uh, happening. Uh, Meta, which is Facebook. I like how they na- rename themselves. I don't, it's confusing. It is confusing. Uh, they're all in on the metaverse. Obviously that's why they named themselves Meta. Yes. So uh, they have one of the most popular headsets. They bought a company called Oculus uh, back uh, a few years ago. How many billions was it for? It was a lot. Yeah. And at the time, we were like shaking our heads like, what the hell? Yeah. Why would Facebook get into this? Now I understand. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting though, because they haven't quite hit it out of the park yet. And we've talked about this before. Yeah. But who will, right? Like the metaverse is kind of like a, a virtual reality, a whole other digital world. It's the next level of the internet, supposedly. Yeah. I mean, it's a place that... We've seen the movies, The Matrix... The Matrix, Ready Player One. Yeah. It's the place that these companies are betting literally the farm that you're going to want to spend your time in these worlds. And they want their world to be the dominant one because there's going to be a number of different worlds. Yeah. What do you think the biggest one is right now? Would, would it have to be? It's the video games, right? When, when you play some of these games like the Call of Duties and um, what's that? Fortnite. Yeah. That, that is one of the biggest games in the world. It's free to play. Yes. And it is a whole world in itself. It is. And actually, there was a, an update recently to Fortnite. And it looks like there might actually be some um, Quest 2 support coming for Fortnite. Wow. Which would dramatically change the game, so to speak. They have concerts there. They do. That have literally millions of attendees. Yeah. But, and that's, that's kind of the idea behind these things. When you think about a video game system or a video game that people play, it's not just the video game because yeah. there's a lot of community around that. There's a lot of friends and teams and uh, chats that happen 
external to the actual gameplay itself. Yeah. Which is kind of what the metaverse wants to be as well. Let's move on to another story. Uh, a YouTuber has created a laser-powered lawnmower. Yeah, it's, it's not quite laser-powered. The laser is the mower. Oh, my God. What? Oh, that... <laughs> So that scares the heck out of me, John. Yes. Yeah, it basically uses a laser to cut your lawn. Well, is that safer then? No, not at all. No. <laughs> Does it work well? It seems is, to. It doesn't even... So I'm, I'm looking at this thing on YouTube right now. So, you know, a typical lawnmower, you're pushing it, right? Yeah. We've seen the, the robot ones, sort of like Roombas for your lawn that kind of go around the lawn. This one is just, looks like a sprinkler head. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. But it's shooting a laser. And it's literally cutting the grass yeah. with the laser. So God help any animal that runs into its beam. <laughs> Imagine your dog. Yeah. Getting lasered. That would scare the heck out of me. <laughs> yeah. High-powered gas-cutting laser. Grass-cutting laser. I don't think this will ever see prime time. No, I don't think so no. either. Uh, another story uh, out of British Columbia... Uh, a BC man has been ordered to pay $90,000 after posting negative online reviews of a business. Yeah, it's a really kind of complicated story Yeah, uh, about some basically roofing materials and some costs and basically just a bad experience by the customer yeah. who then took out his frustration with online reviews of that company. Was that on Yelp or where was that? It was on Yelp and maybe a few other places as yeah. well. And so it uh, was basically recently ordered to pay $90,000 for all the negative press that his reviews was causing and, and uh, the, the, the businesses has suffered. I, you know, I don't know where to stand on this. Like, I, I do think it's important that we, you know, these things are monitored, like, because you can totally slander someone or a business online. I mean, so easy, right? Yeah. Well, and people do without even having ever used a product or service. Totally. Like these restaurants. Yeah. You know, how many of those reviews are even real because people are just slagging it for some... Or it's a bot. Or a bot, yeah. yeah. So this guy, but, you know, apparently caused damage to their business because he wasn't happy. He just said they were bad people, cheaters. Yeah. <laughs> but... $90,000, that's a lot of money. It's a lot more than uh, what sort of the the crux of it was he was overcharged on his visa for some services that weren't rendered or products that weren't delivered. Yeah. Well, we'll be following that story. Make sure you tune into our sister show tomorrow, The App Show. It's uh, on every Sunday on the Chorus Radio Network across the country. And if you're in Toronto, it would be Saturday nights. Actually, right after this program, we're going to go into more depth on our next topic. And that revolves around the big Apple announcement uh, this week. They announced a bunch of new upgrades and even a new product for their watch world. So we're going to talk uh, Apple Watches, uh, AirPods, and the new iPhone 14. Are you excited about the announcement? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, probably more so about a watch that I probably don't even need. But uh, the Apple Watch Ultra. It's, this is a brand new watch. Yeah. And so this is like, it looks like a beefy Apple watch. It's something like Bear Grylls would have on his wrist. Yes. And that's kind of who it's made for. Yeah. It's made for people that are really outdoor enthusiasts. So if you're climbing mountains or if you're a scuba diver or 
really into, you know, I think a lot of extreme sports or just sports in general, you want increased battery life because this thing can go for days. You can see how thick it is if you if you Google it. Uh, but it also has, because it's bigger, uh, they've got this new action button on the side. So this is good for scuba divers. This is going to go up against the, um, the dive computers. It's going to annihilate the dive computers because they had a number of uh, apps that are specifically for divers yes. that they showcased. So why would you want anything else other than this? Because this thing is checks all the boxes in the diver world. Yeah. And it has a number of interesting new features that we haven't seen on other watches from Apple. Uh, one thing is they have like an emergency alert sound that is very specifically uh, frequenced so that if you're say, say you've fallen in, down a ravine or something like that, uh, rescuers can actually hear you because it's a very specific sound that is meant to be able to travel up canyon walls and be heard at great distances. God, how do they figure this out? I know, it's, I know. It's amazing. Um, it's got, obviously, it's much more durable, titanium case, uh, sapphire screen. Well, and the, the, the screen itself is kind of recessed into the case. Yeah. So it's, you know, you're much less chance of it being hit by something. Well, because you're going to beat the hell out of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And all the, the buttons and the crown, digital crown, all this, they're all meant to be used with gloves on even. This isn't aimed at everyone. No. No. But I know a lot of people will probably buy this just because it's a pretty cool looking watch. Yeah. They've got all sorts of cool new straps for it as well. Yeah. I didn't get if it could take the old ones or not. No. No. No, it's a completely new kind of attachment system. I imagine it would have to be for, yeah. for the what you're using it for. Yeah, a lot of like very robust metal clasps and that type of thing that sort of lock in place. There's a the lightest one that they have is also just just kind of like the Velcro style. Yeah. Um, but, but they have ones that you know for scuba suits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying scuba suits like wetsuits and dry suits. Yeah. And <laughs> scuba people are like you know. <laughs> smack in their head right now uh but yeah i mean i'm excited that it's it's a new product yeah it's new and it's not right it's obviously in the apple watch world they dominate the category not just in wearables but watches in general it's definitely an area that they haven't really been able to uh Let's, let's say attack. Yeah. <laughs> because there's some certain things that are kind of missing that a Garmin or other types of watches offered. Uh, better satellite uh, communications for the GPS and that type of thing. Um, 36 hours of battery life. Yeah. So that they really sort of meant this for like the triathlete that's going to be spending the entire day tracking everything. Yeah. GPS location and all their sensors for their you're in the hunger games yeah exactly <laughs> anyway i'm i'm excited like I'm, I'm excited to see that technology uh they also came out with uh or announced a new apple watch series eight uh two temperature sensors sensors in it um we'll get into more depth whether we should or not uh but really good for women's health from tracking menstrual cycles and things like fertility yes which I thought was uh, amazing. If you want to find out more about that, tune into the app show uh, for it. And uh, a new uh, Apple Watch SE, which is kind of their base model. Which is surprisingly powerful and yeah. full of features for the price point compared to the even the 8. It uses a lot of the same tech. Uh, it just doesn't have quite all the niceties, but all the base sensors and things like that that are present in the 8 are in the SE, which is kind of cool. One feature that I found interesting... You know, the, the latest Apple Watches have fall detection, so they know if you fall, and if you do, they'll alert 911 for you if you want. Now they have something called crash detection, and this is if you're traveling in a vehicle. 
yeah, it'll actually call 911 if it thinks that you've been in an accident. Yeah, like front or rear-ended or side or rollovers. A whole bunch of different sensors used to determine whether that's the case or not as well. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So let's move on to the AirPods. Uh, They've announced some new Apple AirPod Pros, version 2. Yes. And so kind of some fun features for me. Before we get into the the sound, uh, you can now charge the case on the Apple Watch charger. Yes, although it's still interesting that you still have to use a lightning cable to charge it. Yeah. So, but we'll talk about that later too. Well, you know what? I mean, if you've got the AirPods, you most likely have it traveling with your iPhone, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, and, having, and now you can use the mags, uh, the MagSafe. MagSafe chargers as yeah. well. You could before, couldn't you? Yeah. I think so. Because I, I think I've been charging it on them. They don't magnetically attach. I think they do now. That's I think that's yeah. the, the difference, yeah. They've got speakers on the bottom of the case now to help you find it. <laughs> and it'll talk to you when it needs to be charged. All these features for people that are, uh, let's just say, loosey-goosey with their stuff. Yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm losing them all the time. Uh, <laughs> you lost an AirPod, like a single AirPod. Oh, my God. In our studio, and we found it like months later. I know. You would have found it right away if it had this little speaker in it. I would have. Yeah. So thank God for these new ones. Uh, but the sound has improved. They've got something called transparent. Um, adaptive transparency. Adaptive mode. transparency. So they have active noise cancellation, which means they just block out everything, which is great if you're like on an airplane or you just want to be tuned out from the world and just listen to your movie or your music. But sometimes if you're like walking the streets, you don't want that because you want to know if a car <laughs> or something is coming at you. Yeah. So the, the adaptive part, though, what it does is it can actually tune out things like a loud construction site, yeah, still allowing you to hear that car that's going to hit you or the barista that you're talking to, even if there's a loud jackhammer right nearby. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. iPhones. Yes. iPhone 14 and 14 Pro. We're going to get into much more detail on the app show, but uh, yeah, the, everything one kind of expected, the 14. Uh, we've got the 14 and the 14 plus. Yes. No more mini. No. At least not for now. No. Uh, and then we've also got the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max. Yes. So what are the, your favorite features of the, the new phones? Because there's th- th- a lot of things that are shared across them all. Yeah. Okay. So they've got crash detection like the, the new watches. The big, the interesting thing for me, and hopefully I'll never have to use it. They're all about safety, Apple. And so they've built in satellite messaging now. Emergency SOS messaging. This is kind of cool. So to make it work, they've, the engineering is incredible. If you've ever seen a satellite phone, the one thing you'll notice is they're bulky and they got a giant antenna on them, Yeah. right? Because they got to connect to space. Yes. The iPhone 14 doesn't have that giant antenna. You basically have to be the antenna. So if you ever need to use that feature, you enact it and then it'll guide you to the satellite location. You're going to have to wave the phone around. Yeah, but it'll help you find that service and you kind of have to do it. The really interesting thing though is they found a way to make, like you can basically only send really short text messages. Yeah. And uh, one of the features they have is they have a little wizard that, so say you're injured and you need a, a responder to come and help you, you can actually answer a bunch of questions and it will craft a message that those responders would understand yeah. and ask all the questions that they would ask you. So you're not going back and forth, back and forth like yeah, you normally Because you to. want one efficient burst, right? That's right? So this is going to walk you through, get all the answers and send that one burst yeah. to the emergency responders. Yeah, you're not going to be watching Netflix with this service. No. But you're going to be able to get help when you need it. Yeah, like they don't want the big 
rambling story. Yeah, I was hiking for a few hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they just want to know, are you injured? Where does it hurt? Yeah. What do we need to bring? That kind of stuff. And the idea is that they'll be able to help, you know, find you using this service. So to me, that was super interesting. Yeah. Um, did they improve the cameras on both of them? Yes. Yeah, they, they added a couple of things that were interesting. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really kind of neat is they have an action mode now on the Pro Series. Yeah. So this basically eliminates the need for a gimbal. So you want those, you know, running up stairs or running through the forest shots that look like they're shot with a steady cam. You're going to have that, at least what, at least what they showed. We'll have a little more hands-on soon, I hope. And uh, But it looks really compelling. Is that just the Pro model? Yeah, just yeah. the Pro model. So another feature on the Pro, I, I think that's where all the the goodies were. Yeah. Right. Uh, they've got a new dynamic island. It's kind of like a little notch at the top of the screen. It's almost like your notification area. Well, it's it's a hole in the screen where the sensors and the camera is. Yeah. But they've covered up elegantly with just a, basically a little black digital graphic yeah. that expands and contracts depending on what activities you're doing or what notifications you're getting. Yeah. And it sports scores, what music it, is playing. It conveniently sort of hides the fact there's a hole in the screen. Yeah. And it's very interesting because do you remember when the notch came out? There was a lot of wallpapers that came out that took advantage of the notch yes. placement. And yeah. I think Samsung had a similar thing as well when they had their notches. I bet I imagine there's gonna be some similar wallpapers that'll take advantage of this dynamic island in that respect as well. Another feature of the Pro Series, always on screen. So when you put it down on your desk, it'll automatically dim down to say battery, but you'll still be able to see your lock screen. And with iOS 16, you actually have a much richer lock screen because you actually can have put widgets, just like your Apple Watch, on your lock screen. Emails or notifications are coming up, where your Uber is. News, weather. Everything. Anything you want. Is that a big feature for you? Yeah, I love that feature. You do? Yeah, because I've been using iOS 16 for a few months now. Oh, yeah, because you're yeah. super nerd. Well, every year, Dyson, the folks that make the uh, the vacuums that we all love, uh, they have a, an engineering contest worldwide. Uh, obviously, the vacuum came from James Dyson, great mind, great engineer. So he's uh, trying to encourage young people to uh, explore their engineering uh, talents. Uh, we've got... Uh, couple winners uh, for uh, the awards here. Uh, we've got uh, friend Swally Oase and Wrighton Cheng on the line. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for an invitation. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, what you guys uh, developed. Uh, it's uh, essentially a device that turns plastic bottles into 3D printer filament. So 3D printers, they need spools of this kind of, it looks like thin plastic yeah. wire. Not wire, but thin plastic. It's a thin plastic line. Filament, yeah. Yeah, filament. And that's how things are printed on a 3D printer. That's right. Uh, well, in some places of the world, uh, for example, Rwanda, where uh, they've got a maker community happening, it gets expensive to import those big spools of 3D printer filament uh, in. So they've uh, got this machine that will turn uh, recycled, uh, or sorry, uh, plastic bottles uh, into this uh, special filament for these uh, printers to use. Uh, I want to start, though, kind of an interesting story where you two met. And this is probably the only good thing about Toronto Pearson Airport in the past six months and all the craziness happening there. You met at the airport. Not technically. I was actually at the airport and I was stuck on the plane for a few hours because of the delays that we all know and hate. And uh, being stuck on the plane, I do what people normally do, which is I was browsing on my phone 
And uh, this idea of recycling plastic bottles in the 3D printer filament, it's been a very popular idea online. There's a really active community of people trying to make this happen, and it's not possible without that community working together. And so I was browsing a Facebook group and it came across some of, uh, I came across writing profile and I just realized you have to work together. And that's how we ended up connecting. But how did you connect? Like, right. And are you just really into plastic bottles? Like, <laughs> like how, how does this all happen? So I was working on some early work, uh, for polyformer and, uh, I showed some prototypes and, uh, some of the experiments I, I was doing and the Swally was really interested and uh, he got contact with me and we started working together. And has this been done before? Um, there are various attempts of different methods that has been done before. And uh, I mean, they have some uh, advantages and disadvantages as well, and, yeah. And we would say there are probably three really cool things about our machine that really pushes the technology forwards. Uh, the first thing is that this project is entirely 100% open source. So that means if anyone wants to build a polyformer, they can do so right now. All of the CAD code and designs are available online, along with detailed build instructions. And the machine can be almost 100% 3D printed, which makes it really easy for other people to replicate. And that took a lot of um, engineering design work for that to be feasible. Uh, the second thing is that the method we're using to turn plastic, uh, this, a plastic bottle like this, into 3D printable parts like Wrighton can show you. Um, so normally when people try to do this process, what they do is they grind up a plastic bottle into small bits and then force that through a lead screw extruder to make the necessary 3D printer filament. That process, while the traditional approach, is not great. Quite often the irregular plastic uh, bottle pieces will clog the extruder and the filament will be a very low quality. So instead, what uh, this machine does is the plastic bottle is cut into a long continuous strip and that material is then fed through the extruder and thermoformed into a uh, 3d printer filament and that's why the filament is so high quality like like i couldn't believe how uh, good the filament was the first time uh, i saw this process work and the third cool feature is some of the cool technology features maybe right to the want to explain of the polyformer that you can't really see with any other machine <laughs> Yeah, on the top of uh, the entire machine being 3D printed, um, most of the machine are modular. So the user can actually, the people who are making this machine, they can make adjustments to the machine to their liking, whether they want, you know, more powerful uh, motor or uh, different kind of, uh, you know, extrusion system, whatever. They can design their own parts and then uh, add it to the polyformer. And their design will come back and contribute to the community to uh, you know, make the machine greater even more. And, uh, and yeah, sorry. go ahead. And it's for that reason that the polyformer has already been replicated in 10 plus countries worldwide. Um, we have thousands of members in our Discord and we hope some of your listeners will join our Discord as well if they want to build this machine. <laughs> We're talking with uh, two gentlemen from Polyformer. I guess that's the name of your devices. Is that the name of your company or just the name of the device? Of the project, man. The project. Uh, we've got... Yeah, it's an open source project. It's a movement. <laughs> we've got uh, Swally and uh, Wrighton. Uh, they are uh, two university students, uh, college students, that actually created this device. And what's really interesting is it is open source. So anyone can get the blueprints for this. They can make it, in many cases, with a 3D uh, printer, but they can also improve upon it. Fun fact here, guys. John is actually a big 3D printing nerd. Uh, who's worked on a number of different uh, projects. What is your concern about like, you know, recycled filament? Well, I, I think uh, Swally sort of touched on it is that 
traditionally you're grinding it up and you're getting because that's how most 3d printer filament is made with, with virgin plastics as they call it and then it gets put into a, a big machine and it gets pushed out into a long thin line um but there's all kinds of problems with that and people have been trying to do this since the beginning of 3d printing like in you know um back in the early days the early days like 10 years ago <laughs> and so it's it's I've seen a number of similar kinds of things where people are using, and essentially what you're doing is you're taking a plastic bottle and you're unraveling it almost like, you know, when in the cartoons, when someone pulls on a sweater and sort of undoes, yeah. it's like that one continuous long line of, of this material that can be used as, as filament. And I think that's really fascinating because that's a huge problem that we have, but also it just means you have this endless supply of free filament essentially. So, I, I find this interesting, uh, Swally. You you came across this idea when you were in Rwanda. Is there like a big community down there that use three D printers? I wouldn't think there there would be, but I guess sometimes like building new things are is difficult. Well, there is much greater application for three D printing in Rwanda than let's say in Canada, because in Canada it's much easier to get you know injection molded parts made or custom parts for your business made. But in Rwanda, because there's a lack of heavy industry, this is where 3D printing has a lot of potential because it's so easy to deploy and set up 3D printers. So with this technology, a lot of companies have been leveraging it to make products they never could before. Because Rwanda, um, like a lot of develop, um, a landlocked or developing countries, most of the products are imported. And that creates a huge current account deficit. So that's why um, the government's really pushing for ways to make items locally. And for this reason, people are more uh, keen or more accepting of like using 3D printed parts to make things as opposed to importing things from abroad where it becomes really expensive. But to just add one more thing. So uh, Wrighton and I actually both started working on the same idea separately. I did uh, while I was in Rwanda and Wrighton did, I think, while he was finishing up uh, his school. And then we kind of uh, collaborated once we found out about each other. So Wrighton, I think, started working on this for a different reason, more so for the plastic recycling. Another interesting application I've seen for what you guys are doing is the fact that whenever a, like a, like a large scale environmental issue happens, like say a huge tornado or uh, some, something that just wipes out the infrastructure, like we've seen a lot of countries just being devastated and all kinds of, you know, people have to come in and sort of help clean up the floods or whatever. And a lot of times uh, hospitals, for example, don't have some very basic tools to help them. So what I, I have some friends, what they do is they actually bring 3D printers to these, these yeah. centers of the world, but they also have to like load up the plane with filament. And this kind of solves that problem. You can just bring the printer and maybe one spool of filament, make your machine. And then it becomes this, you know, you, you, you're teaching them how to fish there. You leave all the stuff behind and they can just continue to, to make things until the infrastructure returns. Exactly. Yeah. It allows you to make parts on the fly. Like um, 3D printing stethoscopes is very common. Like in Canada, most people probably wouldn't accept a 3D printed stethoscope. But if you're in a low resource setting, like, uh, these products become a lot more uh, viable or competitive. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations uh, again uh, with uh, the the Dyson Awards and uh, what you've done here. And I'm excited to see where this uh, all goes. Thanks for joining us on our show today. Been talking a lot about Apple stuff uh, today and in the app show. Make sure you tune into that Sundays on the Course Radio Network, Saturday nights in Toronto. Let's talk market share of iPhones, John. This is an interesting story and I want to talk about it because 
I'm worried about competition now as well. Yes, yes. As much as they love Apple. Yeah, they're standing head and shoulders above everybody else. And there's been a long-held belief that Android is the dominant player. They are in the world. They are in the world. And it's be- for a number of reasons. There, a, there's a lot more companies that offer Android devices. Yeah. And a lot of them are what I would call a free phone. Yes. They're very inexpensive to get. And, they, you know, there's no... You know, there's a lot of levels of quality with, that you get with that. And a lot of these manufacturers have very affordable phones that function pretty much, you know, as feature-filled as an iPhone is. Maybe the camera's not as good or some other features are missing. But for the average person, that's probably just fine. But let's look at, the, okay, so worldwide, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Android dominates the mobile operating system space. Like, I think it's up 80% plus, yeah. right? But... If you look at the U.S. market, this is an interesting story. Apple now commands 57% market share. Yeah, which is quite a jump because I was always like in the low 40s, I think. Yeah. The closest competitor is Samsung at 19%. What I found interesting was all the rest of the major competitors, and they were all 4 and 3% each, were Chinese. Yeah. So, so names you've never even heard of. like Some of these phones aren't even officially offered in North America. Like Huawei. Yeah. You can't even officially get it in the US. They've got 3% market share down there. And Oppo and Vivo. They each have 4% each. Yeah. Show me. Show me. Yeah. And again, Samsung coming at 19%. There is no other major competitor out there anymore. Well, it's interesting because in this chart, Google isn't even listed. No, they're part of the other. Yeah, there's an other category that's 9%. Yeah, so Google would be in there. Yeah, because it's probably sub 3%. So where's the competition, John? Well, isn't this where the antitrust people start coming in? They, you know what? their knives? I'm telling you, they did a good job. They, yeah. they kneecapped the yeah. competition. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. And so, and I know a lot of people have a hate on uh, for Huawei right now. But I have to say, there was a lot of innovation happening there. Well, that was the problem that we always uh, said with Huawei and other Android developers is that's their only play. Yeah. They, innovation. They just keep making cool stuff that people want yeah. that Apple will copy. Yes. <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah. So it's this constant leapfrogging effect that's happening. So, but I, you know, it, it just, it's kind of refreshing to see what Apple did uh, this past week. Some actually new products and new functionality that we haven't really seen on phones before or watches Yeah, that um, are going to be more available to people. And I think that's also going to spur their competition to up their games as well. So on one side, I think competition is important, but I, I do have to appreciate Apple's social responsibility as well. Do you know what I mean? Like when it comes to things like security and privacy yes, and the environment, you, you see how much effort they're putting into the environment to be carbon neutral, reduce the amount of packaging they're using. And privacy, I, I would say they've got everyone beat when it comes to privacy. Like they lock their phones down like crazy compared to a lot of the, the Android stuff out there. I know Android and Google, they're obviously always working to to improve that. But I would have to say Apple's got it over them. Yeah. Well, you know, you see what like Samsung has with their um, 
the, the way you can sort of separate your phone between work and personal. Yeah. I really like that idea. And I kind of wish Apple would adopt those types of things, especially because you see a lot of people out at restaurants or other things, their kids are playing with their phones. Yeah. It's not their kid's phone. It's the parent's phone. Exactly. And like, well, that's your work phone. Yeah. <laughs> The kid could actually, you know, do some damage to your work stuff. Why not have like a simple mode that you can just turn on like kid mode, just games only kind of thing. Yeah. Like Samsung has that feature, which is a great feature, but we haven't seen that in the operating system on the Apple side. So, well, I think that number is only going to increase. Like when you get into the Apple ecosystem, it just all works so well. You know what I mean? Like you got an iPhone, yeah. but the Apple watch, it just all kind of yeah. connects. And then you want to get the AirPods, right? Because it's just seamless. To use between the different devices. Yeah, and well, we've seen the competition come up with a lot of different sort of competing products. Like Samsung has their line of uh, earbud, wireless earbuds, yeah. as does Google now, and you know other companies as well. So they're all trying to make their own little ecosystems that you know maybe a little bit more niche. Than but what other ecosystem? I mean, there's Android, but is it as yeah. complete as well, Apple's? Yeah, I mean. The, th the other thing is Microsoft went all in on Android. Android. Yeah. So what choice do they have? Well, None. exactly. They lost the mobile yeah. war, but it's not a tight integration between them and Android. No. As much as the Apple world yeah. is essentially. Seamless. Yeah. Want to thank uh, all the folks that helped put the program together. Of course, John and, and Robin. And I have to give a shout out to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got all of our podcasts uh, up there and you can find out more information on how to subscribe through your favorite uh, podcast app. Uh, of course, uh, the uh, the app show on every Sunday across the Chorus Radio Network, Saturday nights uh, in uh, Toronto. And the website's great because we've got a lot of uh, videos there. We're always reviewing the latest tech products, smart home uh, the latest uh, phones. Uh, once we get our hands on the new Apple gear, we will be making some uh, great uh, videos on that as well to let you know whether you should upgrade or not to some of the uh, the new versions. Uh, I'm excited about the new Apple Watch. Uh, I know you are too. John, I don't know if it's something that I would have as my everyday wear. I want it. I just, I, I don't need it. No. So I'm It looks bulky. So you'd have to really... Well, I was watching and it, it seems pretty decent because they had a lot of uh, what looked like to me smaller women wearing it and it didn't look too ridiculous. It's not like it's a giant three-inch display. Yeah. There was only the one size, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that makes it easier for manufacturing for them. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for uh, tuning in to uh, Get Connected. Check out the app show. We'll see you again next time.